Welcome to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast. In our podcast, we provide support for school leadership and the workplace with a proven approach for implementing social and emotional learning. As it's well known in our schools today and emotional intelligence in the modern workplace with a proven strategy to increase well-being, achievement, and results backed by the most current neuroscience research. I'm Andrea Samadhi, author and former educator who, like you, knows firsthand about stress in today's schools and corporations, along with the effects that this stress has on our well-being, achievement, productivity, and results. In this podcast, we will provide you with the tools, resources, and ideas to implement proven strategies backed by the most current neuroscience research to help you to achieve the long-term gains of implementing these success strategies in your daily life. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit AchieveIt360.com. AchieveIt360.com. Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets SEL podcast. This is Andrea Samadhi. This interview will also be broadcast on YouTube and the regular podcast channel. So be sure to look for the YouTube link in the show notes if you like to watch the video. In this episode, we have special guest Ron Hall. He's the executive director of Valley Day School in Morristown, Pennsylvania. And he's going to discuss how his school uses a neuroscientific approach. If you take one look at Valley Day School's website in the news section, you can see the forward-thinking nature of the school that's applying cutting-edge technology in their PE class. They combine movement with intellect, challenging students to think while they move. They're also using virtual reality to travel to different regions of the world and develop empathy. Teachers hold community meetings with students to get to the root cause of behavioral problems over punishment and they teach their students about table etiquette and social-emotional intelligence through advanced technology tools. Welcome, Ron. Thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much. Flattered, flattered to be here. Thank you. When I saw the article written about your focus on social support rather than the old punitive approach, I knew I had to contact you so that you could share your experiences with other schools. Uh, schools that might be thinking of implementing a program like this. The more I read on your section of your website, the more excited I got because I said you're diving deep into technology. Mm. So let's dive right into the questions. In the article that I saw, it was lessons in leadership, how an alternative school improved behavioral outcomes with a neuroscience approach. And it was from educationdive.com. You mentioned how you're interested in using an understanding of the brain to facilitate learning prior to being hired at Valley Day School. And this was over 15 years ago. Yeah. And this was about just about when I was a teacher in the classroom and I was looking for strategies like mm-hmm. this to help me. And when I was reaching out for help, I got sent to a tribes workshop. Okay. And I didn't really get the help that I needed. Yeah. So what made you look at brain-based learning back then? And what did you discover about it? Yeah, I, I remember that day. There was, uh, in Pennsylvania, we, we have a, a big state conference and thousands of people come. And I was with a, a cyber charter school at that time. And, and there, there was a tech uh, uh, presentation I wanted to see. But I got sold out. I, I couldn't get in. 
And then the only thing that was left was this brain-based thing, bringing back all the trauma from high school, you know, biology class at college. What? Like, oh my gosh, all right. So I reluctantly walk in to a session by uh, Horacio Sanchez. And he's at that time, and it still is, he was one of the few people talking about neuroscience. And, and he's also a brilliant presenter. Uh, I, this is like a Las Vegas floor show. Uh, his wit, his energy, and also combined with the content was, was remarkable. And I, I, within like 10 minutes, I just saw the future of education in my career. Wow. Uh, and it, it, it's one of those like, like quintessential experiences that, that kind of you, you, you can see where, where your life and career is changing just, just to experience his work. And the great thing about, about, about Horacio is that he, he's more of a clearinghouse of information. He can take the information, consolidate it, present it, package it to educators that can be applied directly to the class of the school. I, I, so many times we see research and especially neural education when they start throwing out vocabulary, you know, hippocampus and, you know, uh, corpus callosum. And it's like, like eyes glaze over, but, but, but he packaged it in a way that could be directly applied to the classroom. And, and that's why I appreciate it. And so that started probably you know, a relationship with him and in the three different schools I've been with, I've kind of brought the gospel of Sanchez wow. <laughs> with, with me, the neural ed. And so, uh, uh, so much of what we do, again, I'm, I'm not a researcher. I'm not affiliated with any major university. I'm, I'm a person in the trenches trying to do the best for the kids and try to keep our school on the cutting edge. And, and this is, I think neural education is, is, is the cutting edge, still is. I, back then, it was, it was well out there. Yeah. But if you look at all the folks now that are getting involved in neural education, all the resources that we have, it, it, it's, it's really remarkable. And, and, uh, and I think it's catching on. But, but I, I think the challenge is getting it, packaging it, and be able to get it into a school where, where you know, a, a, a kindergarten teacher who's 40, you know, 20 years from, from undergrad can use it and apply it. So that, that was the exciting thing for me. It's absolutely, you're so right, because when I first looked at it, I was given um, D'Souza's How the Brain Learns. That's right, yeah. I opened it, and I was like, I need to hire someone to help me with this. Yeah. It was intimidating, and I thought, I, I was told I needed to go this way probably about five years ago. Yeah. It was, I thought, I've got to, I have to learn this, and I just looked at it, and the memory charts, and um, I've, I've got to be able to figure this out. And I love how you're saying make it easier because, you know, that's the first thing people want is how are we going to implement this? And, and it's not difficult once you have the basics, three parts of the brain, you know, understanding just three parts. Yeah. See, and, and almost you can even reduce it. So it's like driving a car where you could be an effective driver but you may not know how the engine actually works. Yeah. So to kind of know what's happening, it, you maybe not know the, the, the intense biochemistry of what, what's happening internally. You just know if you do X, Y is likely to happen. Right. And right. so, so kind, of, kind of staying out of the, the neurological as much as you can is sometimes helpful, especially, especially for folks like, like me that may have been intimidated by biology, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, I think you're doing incredible work with it. And oh, I'm, I'm excited to, to watch you now and see where you go. We know that 15 years ago, there wasn't the research around social and emotional learning also that we know now impacts yeah. human behavior. So what do you think is different from now, um, from 15 years ago? And how are you teaching social emotional over there? Yeah, I, the way I look at it, it's, it's kind of the same science and that we we also hitched our wagon to uh, a model of trauma-informed care uh, called the Sanctuary Model of Trauma-Informed Care. Uh, Sandra Bloom out of that time, Drexel University. And it's basically the same, same science, kind of directed toward different issues. Uh, we understand the, the impact of, I, I, I'm sorry, just backing up in, in, in a fundamental sense, our, our brains, of course, are organic, and they're affected by stimuli. And when the stimuli comes in, it impacts the growth and development of the brain, be it traumatic or, or not. So you, it's that same science, but one goes more of an educational route, and the other can kind of go in more uh, trauma-informed social education route. So, so when you look at it, it's all somewhat the same science. When you look at it, there's so much overlap uh, in, in what we're talking about. Um, so... So that's one of the, the things that, that when, I, when we talk about blending two, two models, one, the, the, the sanctuary model trauma for care. And in, in that, we're using that as kind of our operational model. This is how adults deal with this. This is how we set up our system and organization. How do we recognize problems? How do we solve problems? How do we take care of the, the emotional aspects of folks, uh, staff, and our students, but primarily our staff, emotionally intelligent. Um, one aspect about the sanctuary model, it's, it's a lot like AA, in that they have like, these little cliches that they throw out, like, uh, like hurt people hurt people. You know, it, and, it's, um, and, and that's a fundamental issue, especially when we look at our population, in which we deal exclusively with kids with emotional and behavioral issues. So we have 100 students, K-12, all identified through an IEP. So, so working with this population, we have to be extraordinarily strong and healthy for them. And, and so many times our bad days are when that doesn't happen. Yeah. And so, uh, so that, that's critical. Yeah. For us. I, I love how you're focusing on the teachers. There has to be more support for teachers. Right. One, one of the tools out of the sanctuary model is, is they call it sanctuary supervision, but we call it uh, a connections in which you look at a somewhat of a hierarchical format. Let's say you are a department head and you're in charge of five, seven high school English teachers. Once a month, you would have a discussion, a very directed discussion with, with that teacher. I want to say almost like a therapy session, but there's therapeutic elements. Like, are you using what we call a safety plan? Where a plan where when, when you're looking to potentially be in a bad emotional place, what is your plan to deal with it? Right. Be it going to your in-laws or that difficult kid comes in first period, have a plan to deal with it. You know, how's your safety plan? How's your self-care plan? Uh, there's also a, a part of that discussion where we give positive feedback. These are the things that are going well. Right. But in, in addition, it gives the opportunity for a discussion of how can, what conflicts, what's going on? You know, what are, what are some of the things that, 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 that are affecting your, your emotional safety? social safety, ethical safety. So, so having that directed discussion 
at least once a month, or it could be you got a bad day. I need a connection. <laughs> so, so you, you have that outlet. You're not alone in your room with the weight of the world in the school and your principal on your shoulders. So, so that, that little tool is something that can be applied in almost any, any setting. So, um, incredible. I wish I had that. I know. I mean, I mean, look at the rate of burnout of our staff and the, yeah. how young teachers are getting churned. Old teachers are leaving. Yeah, it's costing yeah. a lot of money for training. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this doesn't really cost anything. It's just, it's just an organizational structure tethered to keep an organization emotionally intelligent and safe. So, right. Do you have any staff that don't, that don't come on board or, or think it's too weird or, you know, talking yes. about emotions? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was tough at the beginning, like eight years ago when we started this, and we came from an extraordinarily punitive system where uh, a child would be asked to leave, they would go to a a, a separate room, and they would have to sit down, they didn't sit sit down and and comply. Then perhaps outside law enforcement would be. You know, it was extraordinarily punitive, and and districts, the way we work, a districts contract with us to provide services. And districts were saying, well, shoot, I can call the police a hell of a lot cheaper than, than paying you. So, we, so when I arrived, we, we tried just to change the whole, whole look and out, outlook. And so, and that's one of the, the, the aspects that, that Sanchez talks about is change. And that he presents a model of, 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 of a person. How do people work? And there are four aspects of a person. And one is a temperament. How do you react to change? How do you react to stimuli? We got folks with easy temperament, like, yeah, I love it. Then we got folks on the opposite end, and that's extraordinarily difficult. And so, so one of the things we look at is the change process. And starting out with uh, work with something small. One of the things Sanchez says is you don't tackle world peace first. Get something easy. And one of the things we focused on for, as an example of that is is our transitions. We want to let kids go from hallway to hallway. And, and, and there's, there's a formalized structure of presenting information, linking the information to one of the, uh, the, 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 the three drives, neurological drives we have. Uh, we like to link things to success. So to successfully go down the hall, you walk on the right. We give a visual cue because it, it's, wow. it's stronger. Yeah. And then, then, uh, then we practice, and then we also um, we try to anchor it neurologically. So not only there's an emotional, you're going to be safer, but also logically, yeah, you're going to get there faster and this and that and in the real world. So, so we found out, oh, yeah, it was working. Our transitions were flowing, and we see a little success. And then, then the folks that are kind of in the middle, okay, they start start buying in and then eventually you get 80% of the people rowing in the right direction and then what's next now one of the aspects we have unlike public schools is that well we don't have collective bargaining <laughs> and we go by year-to-year contracts okay yeah. at a certain point you have to say well this is the direction we're going are you in or are you out <laughs> and then and that in my first year there were you know a few people left yeah. And a couple of folks we, we've asked to, but still it's, 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 it's getting under understanding change, understanding the politics of change and understanding different people have different temperaments right. for change. So, so that's just a small example of starting small and then 
building from that. Wonderful example, because that's what I wondered the most of implementing something like this and to get to the success level, knowing and, that yeah. it's going to be accepted by everybody. You know, and I don't know, maybe, maybe dating ourselves and for folks out there. I don't know if you recall um, the work of Harry Wong in the first days of school. Uh, no. Probably like 20, 20 years ago. That was like the seminal textbook of preparing young teachers. And it was all about getting ready for your first day of school. I didn't even have that. I didn't even it was, have Yeah, it was wonderful. It's a great, amazing book. And he is, he is an amazing, oh my gosh, uh, just, just an amazing character. But, but the book was easy and, and, and it was wonderful. But if you follow the book, it is totally consistent with basic neurological principles. And that's one of the things I did kind of at the beginning to kind of get over the hump of, you know, all this brain, brain stuff. So, right. Right. No, so I would just put that out there in your bibliography. Go to Harry Wong, first day of school. Okay. And well, so, check it out for sure. Right. So I also was looking at your website. And I saw under cutting edge technology, you can see a student with a computer and a, a little stylus and there's right. a brain jumping out. It looks like yeah. augmented reality. And yeah. I've been following augmented reality. augmented reality, virtual reality. Right. What program is that? And how are you raising funds for these innovative programs? Yeah. I mean, what are the, oh, well, actually the system is called, um, it's from a company called ZSpace. Okay. And there is so much in augmented and in virtual reality. One of the things we didn't want to do is the cheap way to do it is you, you get an individual headset for a kid. But the idea of having, you know, 10 emotionally disturbed kids in a class with their own headset and whatnot. It's, it's, so, however, if you look at ZSpace, it, it, it's, it's a computer. And you have a separate pair of glasses, 3D glasses. And you have a stylus uh, touch pen. And it basically adds a couple of levels of stimuli coming in. One, certainly the visual. Then you got a kinesthetic that you can have a like, for example, a live heart, which we show in your hand. And you can manipulate the heart. You can take pieces out. And the pen is, is, is beating. And so you can kind of feel the heartbeat. So, so that gives, for, for our kids that need concrete methods, uh, it, it just adds a, a significant layer of stimuli coming in. Because we know, uh, we work with the concept of long-term potentiation, how quick and how fast you can recall something. Okay. And the more methods of stimuli coming in that you're teaching it will increase the speed of recall. Right. Yep. So, so instead of just drawing a picture of the heart, here's a worksheet, you know, color in the ventricle, the whatnot. Yep. I mean, to have a feel the heart, see the heart, hear, you know. Yeah. So that's just one of the examples. And, and there are like 24, I think 2,400 different, thing different different images holographic images you can work with now and so we needed a lab anyway and so that lab of, of 13 stations uh came in at about twenty four thousand dollars and then we depreciated over a three-year period so it's not really at the end of the day yeah it's kind of a big but but it, you know over a three-year period it, it's it pays off and, and then that it's also something that, well, you know, we're also in a competitive environment where other schools do what we do. And some people are reluctant to go to a school for emotionally disturbed kids. But when you say, well, well, how big is your 3D holographic lab at your school? Like, oh, I, we don't have one. Oh, okay. Um, and the other thing we're excited about is we have a, we have the first in the nation interactive gym, which it's a, a 
somewhat immerses yourself. So you create a level of sound and energy and uh, competitions like you would see like a, a very basic mathematics game where kids have to compete like one side seeds, five plus seven, the other seeds, three times four, and you have to throw a ball at the screen. So you, now you have a kinesthetic, then you have an exercise, then you have a movie, and then you have academics. And they're thinking. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. I saw that. I saw and that. yeah, and so I, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, it's a little, little expensive. But when you look at, at what we get out of it, also the things we could bring to the table as far as marketing and bringing kids in and whatnot, it certainly pays off. Incredible. I would so, I would love to visit your school if I'm ever. Oh, sure, oh, I'd love to have yeah. Absolutely, now, it looked wild just to see the students uh, how excited they were about it. Yeah, you know we're I don't, I don't know a lot of schools where you walk in and they're yeah, excited. yeah, and, and the funny thing that I mean just 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 quick side on on the interactive gym, uh, our phys ed teacher who's a 30 year veteran uh, is a real technological luddite. He doesn't even have a cell phone, but he's working two two handheld keyboards on this interactive gym. So it's really, really interesting to watch. That's watch them. So, so anyway, let's. Well, where do you see this all going in the next five years? So you're already where I wish we were here in Arizona. Um, I know some of the schools that I work with in Canada are looking this way, but I've never seen anyone that's immersed it as you have. So where, where are you going in the next five years just to maintain what would be next? Yeah, I mean, you always, always get better, yeah. you know? Looking at, um, there, there's a couple of folks that, that I'm, I'm personally interested in reaching out to and that are doing some really exciting things. And if you're an educator or if you're a school, traditional public school especially, um, there, there's uh, a woman out of Butler University named uh, Lori DeSchultes, and, and she is amazing. I mean, she, she looks and acts central casting of your first, second grade teacher, but she is, she is brilliant. And the way she can, can, can bring it so accessible to a building yep. is it, just, just um, I, I think, special out there. She is all over the state of Indiana, and they, they are just so blessed to, to have, have that resource. Absolutely. And so I'm really, um, if I had to, one resource, I'd say take, take a look at what she's doing if you're looking to apply it. And then she also blends perhaps the two I was talking about, more about the academic side and also the social-emotional trauma side. There's one thing, how can I teach better? How can I manage my kids better? How can I get my kids to learn better? Kind of a one, one vessel. Then also, how do we deal with kids with, with severe trauma and pain issues? So she blends them quite nicely. Absolutely. So. Um, and what about for teachers? So how are you using this understanding for them to manage their stress? And what would you say would be the most important things teachers should know? And then what should students know about the brain? Yeah. I, I think when we look, first of all, teachers, I, I, I'm just shocked that here we are educators. What are the two things we have to do? We have to work with behavior. We have to work on learning, and that all happens in the brain. And and last couple of years, just interviewing new teachers, and I said, um, "Do you know what a amygdala is? Like like this blank limbics? They they look like a you know." So I, I think neural education should be first and foremost, freshman year, pounding it, pounding it, pounding it, um, and because there there are macro things, big issues of 
how you would teach, present information. But they're also like little, little things, little nuggets. And uh, if you follow Horacio Sanchez on, on LinkedIn, every third day or so, he has a little neurological nugget for you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there's certain things like, like we picked up is, for, for example, we know that the voices of females, women, high-pitched voices can be really triggering to an amygdala. We tend to like more male, quiet, deeper voices. So if you're a teacher and you, you, you got to be aware of just what I'm saying and how I'm speaking could, could be triggering and things. I mean, like little nuances like, like that and, um, and, and ways, to, tips and tricks on how do you de-escalate. And there, there are tons and tons out there when you start getting involved. But one of the things, too, I appreciate with students is that especially our kids that come from a high, uh, not very successful, a lot of behavioral issues, and uh, not success, they're not successful at home, and they look like, I'm bad, you know, man, I'm a bad, you know, you know they, they hear that. And one of the things I, I tell people coming in right off the bat, I just say, well, well, Valley Day, we don't have any good kids here, <laughs> but we don't have any bad kids either. You know, we have kids who are strong and healthy and kids who are not quite as strong and healthy because everything is chemical movement in your brain. So when you frame it like that, it kind of takes the value judgment. It's not I'm a good person, a bad person. I'm just not healthy. I I need to get healthy. Just like eating right, you got to do healthy habits. You know, you got to get your sleep. You got to, you know, get your exercise and whatnot. So there are things we can do to be stronger. And, and it just kind of takes the value judgment, I, I think. And I think that helps kids a lot and people. And it's better for parents to hear too, you know, so. Absolutely. So I know you, you have gone really in deep to your Bloom Sanctuary model and your Sanchez Resiliency model. Yes, so right. looking, you can just go to your website. And- oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's, um, I, I think uh, the Sanctuary model is out of uh, uh, the Andrews Foundation. I think, I think Sandra's getting kind of, kind of you know, moving on from some, some stuff at their career. But, uh, but as far as an organizational structure, you know, uh, looking on a paper, that, that's as, I, I, I wish I'd known that as an administrator, to be honest, in the traditional school. It's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're doing incredible work over there. Oh, gosh, gotcha. well, thanks. You did talk a lot about how uh, for, for someone looking at their first steps to implement, let's just say yeah. something this and says, wow, we, we'd love to do what you're doing. What, what do you suggest would be a beginning point? I, look at different levels. One, if you're just a regular teacher, and let's say I just want to improve my classroom, you know, and, and, I, and there are, are resources to do that. So again, I start out with, with DeSolcius, uh, Lori out of, out of Butler. Um, and then if you're in LinkedIn and you connect hashtag neuroscience, neuroeducation, oh my gosh, the, there are tons of stuff. Uh, and so an individual, one, you can, you, you, you can be a legion of one. <laughs> but if you're a, a school looking to, to move in that direction, I think looking at some study groups, doing some reading, looking at some, some basic videos. Uh, because 
there's just so darn much out there and it's so accessible. Yeah. You know, and so, um, and again, what, what feels right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's really interesting. I mean, like, like how many people, like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with, with Ruby Payne going back oh, 20 years. Well, she, uh, she, a certain amount of controversy in her, her, her career in that, that she had a model where, uh, it's a sociological model where you can understand people by their socioeconomic status. And she had a test, you know, and, and basically criticized for some oversimplifications and maybe accused actually some racist one. But she was big and she's huge. But now she is so into neuroeducation now. <laughs> and so, so the bandwagon's come and the parade is going. And, right. and I don't think it's, it's, I think it's here to stay. Absolutely. So do I. I'm, I'm excited because I had a, an educator, an administrator tell me five years ago to go in this direction. Um, so I'm, I'm glad I started this way to understand at least. But um, yeah, you know, yeah, a starting point because I never once thought about my brain when I was making decisions. Um, never once even considered when I'm mm-hmm. thinking about my results. Right, right. Not once. So it, it's just a whole different process of, of understanding. But once you've got it, some basics, then it's easier to, to begin and go a little deeper as, as you get into it. Right. And it's just what goes on in, 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 you know, in, your, in, in, in the back doors of your brain when you look at the amygdala and, and everything that happened. Even though something that happened as, 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 you know, in your first days of life, certainly it can impact where you are now, you know, and, and when people say, well, get over it. Well, no, your brain was developed even, even in uterine. So you just can't get over that stuff. And so, but, but it's, it is exciting and it's fun and uh, you can apply it to your family quite, quite easily. And uh, another question I wanted to just ask was, you yeah. know, the workplace too. just forget about schools. Right. The corporate world, the stress, the climate in a corporation when they're going down. You know, I've worked in, in corporations that the energy was just difficult. And, Absolutely. You know, now that we know these strategies that can turn around schools, the same goes for a corporation. So. Right. And I think at the bottom line, we're looking at safety because that's one of our, we, we want to be, be safe. And when you look at the ideas of not just physical safety, but, but emotional safety and, and, and social safety, how do you feel? You know, do you feel good about your friends? Do you feel good about yourself? And so framing things in, in the, in, as far as elements of safety, I, I think is a good, good uh, it translates to all aspects. So, Absolutely. Well, I, I appreciate your time with this, Ron. Is there anything that we've missed that you think would be important for someone to look at or consider if they, they've seen this or heard the podcast and they think, wow, I'd love to get started with this approach? Is there something you think that some final words of wisdom? Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, I, I just, man, you know, the journey starts with a single step. So. You know, do your research, you know, and see what resonates with you. Uh, again, you know, the folks that I mentioned and uh, that Google search, that LinkedIn search. And what I'm saying it's, it's in many ways, it's very uh, um, kind of a personal in that what one's experience, a person, how they frame it could be uh, uh, translated, you know, differently by different people. So 
Um, so yeah, I mean, just start again. Don't start big. Just start, start, start little. And uh, I would say, if if you haven't hung around academics, uh, stay away from the journals because journals, uh, you know, like like anything, you you put it in school, it can kind of suck the the life out of it. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'd say start with the video. Start with those YouTubes. And, I really appreciate your time with this, Ron. Thank you so much for your expertise and sharing your story of what you're doing at Valley Day School. I'm going to watch what you're doing and and um, share, um, update the podcast show notes and share what you're doing over there. And thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you, Andrew, for having me. you're enjoying the neuroscience meets social and emotional learning podcast please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes while you're there please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us for more information on our programs books and tools for schools and the workplace visit us at www.achieveit360.com